So you know, you know, you know. Last uh, this month of May, that that evangelist is really on fire. We're gonna, he's gonna lead many to Christ one day. That one, you know. You know, last week we 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 we, we opened up sharing and uh, just opened up the Sundays to the understanding of what we're doing in this month of May. The understanding that we are partakers of prophetic grace. Amen. And Bright shared with us about that and talked about restoration and how the prophetic really. The prophetic words that God has spoken, even in the past, using the prophets, come into our time today. Particularly blessed with the story of of, uh, what you were reading from the Bible, the story of the woman that was healed by Jesus in the synagogue, simply because she was a daughter of Abraham. I was just so blessed with that word. Like, because God said to Abraham that I will bless you. In blessing, I will bless you. Like in blessing, I will make you a champion. Because God said that to Abraham, thousands of years later, Jesus locates a woman in the synagogue who's got an infirmity. She's not well. She's been bent double for 18 years, I think. And Jesus heals her. And the only reason he heals her, he says to the people... She's the daughter of Abraham. Because there was a prophetic word upon Abraham and his children. And it finds her many years later. We all live under prophetic grace. Amen. And if there's anything that I want us to understand this month as we discuss this, as we preach on this, and as we pray for one another on this issue, is to really understand that there is no one No one who can escape the prophetic grace that has been released by God into the earth. We all live under words that have been spoken by God. Time is not idle. Now you can be, as a human being, decide to be idle, but time is not idle. Time has been spoken to by God. Jesus said no one knows the day. Know the hour which the Son of Man will return. But thank God he didn't stop there. He says, but the Father in heaven. Are you with me? It's not like no one knows. The Father knows. There is a set time, a set season that he has put and he has spoken into time. And time knows when it will be over. Hello. So every moment we are living in now, God has said something about it. The difference is we might not know. But we all live under prophetic words. Are you with me? We live under prophetic words. In the days when Jesus came, most people understood, okay, the Jews, I mean, They understood that the Messiah was coming. And they would read the prophet Isaiah. They would read the prophets. And they would understand the Messiah is coming. But they didn't know when the Messiah is going to come. 
But we are given a picture of two devout Jews. One a woman, Hannah, and a man, Simeon. Hannah, for over 60 years, was in the temple interceding for the Messiah to come. The promised Messiah to come. Her husband died when she was young and God just called her into ministry to begin to pray for the Messiah to come. She looked a bit awkward, I think. Because how do you... She, she, was too, she was in the temple. The Bible says day and night. That's all she did. Praying for the coming Messiah. Simeon was waiting. He's a priest that God has called a prophet and he's waiting to see the Messiah. He's also interceding. This is how God deals with prophetic words. Okay? Today I'll just talk a little bit to just teach you a little bit about how to respond to the prophetic seasons, the prophetic grace, the prophetic grace that is on our lives. Hello? So God, these two people, maybe they, will be, they must have been more people. But the Bible gives us a snapshot of just two people that were in the temple praying and waiting for the Messiah. Everybody knew in Judaism that there is a Messiah coming. They didn't know when. God had chosen a few people into a higher place where they were now interceding actively for that Messiah to come. Not for one year. For years. Simeon for his lifetime. Because one day when the parents of Jesus walked in with the baby. How do you know Simeon was doing it his lifetime? He said, now I can go to my fathers in peace. Because I have seen the salvation of Israel. Are you with me? (coughs) So that's all he was born to do. To wait for the Messiah to come. But did you know that when Hannah met the Messiah, when Simeon met the Messiah, there's still many people who didn't know that the time they were living in was prophesied on. They didn't know it was the coming of the Messiah. They kept doing the things that they were doing. Just like in the days of Noah, as the Bible says, people were marrying and drinking and It's the same thing. When Jesus was born, people kept doing their normal stuff. They didn't know there is a set agenda for the season they were living in. Are you with me? That the days Isaiah prophesied were then. They didn't know. They were eating their bread. They didn't know these are the days Isaiah was talking about. They didn't know. There's something I'm trying to show you. Are you with me? They had no idea. The ones that knew, like Hannah, like Simeon, were there interceding, bringing that thing to pass. And when it happened, they knew, aha, the season that Isaiah spoke about has come. And that's why to those who received him and who believed in his name in John chapter 1, it says, he gave the power to become children of God. They were in that season. But there was many that missed it. 
I'm saying all this to bring you to an understanding that even in the days we are living in, as mundane as they look, as ordinary as they look, and as mundane as our work is, they have prophetic grace on them. And those with understanding like Simeon, like Hannah, grasp the prophetic grace that is upon these days that we are living. There is no day on earth that has not got any prophetic significance. Hello? When you just grasp that, you understand you are so important. You are so key to God. It's like as we are sat in this room, there's radio waves everywhere, right? But if we just, but you, obviously you're not picking them up. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, you, you know Valerie is very creative, but I, I bet you if she closes her eyes, she will not hear Viking FM. Your, your brain is not equipped to pick them up. But if we get a good receiver radio in here and start, we'll get our Viking FM, and then we'll get the next one, and then we'll get the next one. Right in this room. In the same way, heaven is broadcasting. There's prophetic words right in this room. The good news is these ones, you are equipped to pick them up. Hello? You don't need Viking FM anyway. But these ones, you need them. If you tune into the spirit and begin to understand, you will pick up what God is really saying. Not just about the city. Maybe about this church. Not just about this church. Maybe about you. Not just about you. Maybe about your family. Not just about your family. Maybe about your business. Not just You will pick up. He has said anything, everything, something about anything you're involved in. Are you with me? Yeah. <laughs> so when we're talking about partakers of prophetic grace, it is like choose to partake. It's like he has laid a banqueting table and he has spoken beautiful words over you to order your life, to bring restoration in your life. When Bright was speaking last week, he was speaking about what the prophetic does. The prophetic comes to comfort you. It, it, it really comes to strengthen you. Those words God has spoken, they come to comfort you, to strengthen you, to build you up. Are you with me? Yeah. To heal you. He sent his word and healed our diseases. They are, these words have been spoken. Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says, In the past he spoke by the prophets, now he has spoken by his son Jesus. Are you with me? Yeah. Spoken. This stuff is out there. Doesn't it say forever, oh God, your word is settled in heaven. There's not going to be a rewriting of the things he has spoken over your life. You and me have to come to that realization. Now we are in this season where the church has just been celebrating Passover. Whether we agree on the dates or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, but we're moving forward, and, and, and soon on June, June 9, we'll be talking about the day of Pentecost. Right? There'll be a celebration of the day of Pentecost. This ascension period, which is traditional for the church. And, 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 and the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, something really happened that I, 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 I want to again spring from. And then I'm going to take you into Judges 6 shortly to tell you what this subject I want to handle. 
But in Acts chapter 2, there's a phrase that I want to borrow. And, and, and I don't want you to forget this. The Bible says when they were in that room, in chapter 2, verse 1, the Spirit came in the room like wind. Yeah? There was a mighty rushing wind. And, and, and like tongues of fire was resting upon each and every person. Tongues of fire. Tongues of fire. What does Joel pro- promise? When the Spirit comes, people will what? Prophesy. They didn't see hands of fire. They saw tongues of fire. It has to do with the prophetic. Uh, did, you, did you understand that? Yeah. The, these are not fingers of fire. <laughs> Deliberately, they are tongues of fire. Because they help prophesy. God is, is, is bringing the prophetic back to restoration. But I'll go into that later maybe. But after that, there's a phrase that I love. After everything has happened and, and, and Peter stood up, there's this phrase that he said. This is that which was promised by the prophet Joel. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Yeah. That's the moment I want to come into. That's the life I want to live. When I was 16, 17, 16 years old, I, you know, my mind was, was set. I was going to study medicine. You know, it, it, it was set. I think from the time I was young, my mind was set. I'm going to study medicine. I'm going to serve God, but I really want to study medicine. And that was my mind. It was set, 16. At 17, I was in this church, and I was working towards it. I was doing just fine in school. I, 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 I wasn't going to fail to do it. I was in church, and this pastor of the church I went to, I was pretty new there. He had not seen me preach or do anything. I didn't even know I can preach anyway at that time. And, and I told you this story before, and he stopped the service. I was sat in a corner like you sat there, Trev, a corner like that, exactly like that. And, 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 and it wasn't a big church. There was about 50, 60 people. And you know in Africa, that's like very small. You know, and, 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 and in a corner like that, on the last row, and he picked me out and he says, stand up, young man. And I stood up and I'm terrified. I'm thinking, yeah, it's the first time this is happening to me. I've been coming to this church for about two, three months. I've never seen him do something like that. And, and so he's, and he's preaching anyway. So, you know, he's preaching your Bible is out, your notebook is out. And he just stops and he, and he's stand, he's, I'm thinking, what did I do? You know, we used to sit there, you know, we were in boarding school. So when we go to, to, out to church, we would be in our school uniform and all that. There would be a bunch of us. So, you know, you would do some student things. So you think, oh, maybe, maybe what did you do? So I stood up and then he started prophesying on me. God has called you for ministry. You know, but I'm not telling you this so you can rush. It's going to happen one day. God will take you different places and you will minister. <laughs> Today I've been to all those countries he mentioned to preach. <laughs> it's quite interesting. But God will take you to different places and you will minister there. Because he has called you for ministry. Wow. First time in my life I'm like, oh. Wow. Wow. You know. You know. I was a, a you know, Presbyterian, very traditional Presbyterian brought up. I, don't, I didn't even know what to call that. You know, <laughs> I didn't know what, 
what he said, what it is, you know, is, is it what, you know, it's, it's, you know, then my, one of my friends really that was quite in that church, the person that had actually invited me to that church was like two years my senior in school, you know, you know, really, you know, what do you feel about that afterwards at school and we're talking about it and he started really, you know, really just driving that home into me, making me understand what it means and, 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 uh, you know, and I remember two years, um, I, that's, I was 17, a year later when I was 18, God spoke to me again clearly. Now, this is just to me, like clearly to me as a person. And I was, I was like shocked, but God really spoke to me about what he was going to do, about in the next one year, I'm going to take you, you're going to leave Zambia, you're going to go to Malawi, you're going to, and, and my, my dream for medicine died in two years. <laughs> It, it literally, in those two years, this man spoke. The following year, God spoke and all that. And, and things were orchestrated in a very interesting way. You know, it, it, God spoke to me about you. And nobody had a plan to move me to Malawi. Nobody. And I was a dependent then. I was 18. Nobody had a plan to move me to Malawi from Zambia. My father didn't have that plan. Oh, by then he had died. My mom didn't have that plan. The people I stayed with, everybody's plan was I was going to College of Medicine. But in seven days, seven days, a plan was hatched and I moved to Malawi without saying even bye to anybody in Zambia. Just like that. In seven days, somebody picked up the phone. Do you want to move to Malawi? I said, yeah, I will. And everybody said, why? <laughs> God spoke to me. You know, and in my head, I'm going, I'm not going to tell you, but God spoke to me. This is, oh, wow, this is that which God spoke to me. When I, sit, when I am here and I'm preaching and I'm doing all these things, again, this is that. Are you with me? Now, which somebody prophesied over my life. Now, you need, you and me need to live into the this is that moment. What does that phrase mean when Peter stands up and says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel? He means it's not our effort. This is not because we did something really special to deserve this and God is doing something. No, no. This is by grace. It was spoken. We are just recipients of it. Look, exactly. When I'm telling you about my this is that, I mean, it's not about effort. I'm, I just received it. I just received a prophecy before I knew what a prophecy is. That phrase means we have just walked into this. Hello? Hi. Yeah. The things that God has spoken over your life, they come with grace. And grace does not just mean for free. Okay, that's a very cheap meaning of grace. Grace is the power of God that works things on your behalf. The Bible says, for the grace of God has appeared to all men teaching us. Grace can even teach. Titus chapter 2. Are you with me? Jesus is the grace of God. Grace is a human being called Jesus. Are you with me? (laughs) Because it says the law came with Moses, but grace and truth 
with Christ. Are you with me? So grace is the power of God that he exerts on your behalf. Grace looks like this. The story of Lazarus in the grave. Dead and ready to decompose, right? He had nothing to do with it. Jesus turns up, he's still dead. They roll the stone away, he's still dead. And then he brings him back to life. He didn't ask for it. That's what grace looks like. God will send a word. What picked Lazarus out of his grave? That's how a prophetic word does. It will roll the stone away. And it will bring you back from the dead. Are you with me? So don't kill anything God has prophesied, has spoken over your life. It will locate you and your grave. Have you read Ezekiel chapter 37? Graves will burst open. Even the places that you have given up on. God. By his word. It is searching. And it's going to begin to bring resurrection. And you will say this. Is that. The other meaning of that phrase. I get the sense of. Peter is saying, we just had to be, to believe. All we did is believe. How do I know that? Because only the people that were in the upper room received, this is that. The people outside did not get this is that. Yeah. Joel had prophesied upon all flesh. But those 120 in the upper room received from that prophetic grace. So the second meaning I have of that is, is, is the meaning that it, it, you've got to be in the right place, right positioning. You've got to be ready. And, and without complicating matters, it simply means you've got to believe. Why they were in the upper room is because they believed him who said, go there, stay there. I will pray the Father he will send. They believed, so they stayed in that room. And that's correct positioning. Faith. Because by believing, God accredits to you as righteousness. What that means is that by believing, you qualify. By believing, you stand in the right place. Huh? Yeah. By believing. Have you been to one of the most... You know, in Malawi, if you want to get a passport, our embassies, and, um, or if you go to Malawi itself... At the passport office, you're going to queue up for a long time. You know? You're going to queue up, you know? And maybe by chance you find a classmate that works there. They become your best friends. You know? You, you, you remember a lot of things that you used to do at school together. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> and, you know? Maybe they can, they, they can cut the queue for you and make life easier for you. Are you with me? You know? But uh, there was a time we went to do passports. I think, oh, you were there, Sunday. There was four, all of us were there. And we went to do passports for everyone. 
and, uh, and, and this time my brother was doing business in, in, in one of the commercial capitals in, in, in Malawi and his business partner <coughs> was actually the chief immigration officer. Yeah. So it was nice. You know, so the way we did passports was nice. I know you've never experienced the real way. You, the, that, the one you experienced. Well, you remember we went to that office and we sat down in this man's big office. You know, and he was working on stuff and signed our passports and yeah, come get them tomorrow. You know, you know. He put us in, in, a, in a, you know, there was queues and a lot of people outside. But we went through a wonderful door, went to a nice air-conditioned office. You know, we sat down there, you know. And uh, this is that, <laughs> no. <laughs> There's a point I'm trying to make. That's what faith, you know, would do before God. It brings you in the, in the right place to receive. Are you with me? Do you get me? Faith takes you right in the throne room. That's what righteousness means. Right, standing at the right place. Being in the right relationship. Huh? So it brings you, you know, when you believe God. Hello? Hi. Yeah. So, prophetic grace. When God has spoken over your life, it's going to come to pass. You just have to stand in the right place. And you'll be saying, this is that. Praise God. Now, I'm going to finish in a short while because I want to examine the life of Gideon. All that was just me trying to introduce. I want us to examine the life of Gideon. That story, the story is found in Judges chapter 6. Now, you know me, I read a lot of passages when I'm preaching, but I'm not going to do it today. I'll just continue like this. Judges chapter 6. There's a story of a man called Gideon. Hello. I want, how do we bring you to the this is that moment? Pastor Bill, God, you're speaking about prophetic grace and God has spoken so many things over my life, but I'm not seeing them come to pass. How to bring you to the this is that moment? That's really what I want to address. There's something we need to deal with and we're going to deal with it today. Something we need to deal with. So in Judges chapter 6, we find the story of a man called Gideon. And the Bible teaches us that Gideon, one day, was in this place. From verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah. That belonged to Josh the Abiezerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in, in, the, in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty man. But, sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, 
Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Amen. Gideon has got a problem. Gideon's problem is that God is not doing the things he thought God should be doing. Gideon understands what the fathers said when they said God did all these mighty things. He opened the Red Sea and all that. And Gideon's problem is, where is it now? Maybe let me explain why he's got this problem. It's because they are surrounded. They are under siege. The enemy, the Midianites are coming after them and they are eating everything that belongs to them. So what used to happen is the children of Israel would plant their seed. And when their harvest is ready, the enemy, the invaders will then come and take the harvest. Then go and wait for them to plant again. When they plant again and they are ready to harvest, the invaders will come and harvest again for free. It's like going to work Monday to Friday, the first to the thirtieth. As soon as your salary is released, you don't touch any of it. You laugh, but that's happening. That's what is happening to them. And Gideon has a problem with that. So here's how he's tried to solve his problem. He's, he, he's hidden some seed. He's hidden some harvest for himself and for his family. So he's in a wine press. You know, a wine press is a hole. They just dig a hole. They used to just dig a hole. And, 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 and they would put the grapes in there. And then they would trample the grapes. And then... The grape juice will come out, okay? Most of what the Bible calls wine is grape juice, most of it. You know? So, so then the grape juice would come out. So it's a hole in the ground. Now, he's not using it for that. He's hiding in there and threshing some wheat. Because the enemies, if they see that he's got even some harvest on him, it's gone. Now you see why he's got a problem. Meanwhile, he, he has read about God. He has heard that he's a mighty God. His name, Gideon, means mighty warrior. That's his name. So he's got a problem with this. He's called mighty warrior. He's not seeing himself as a mighty warrior because he's hiding in a hole. The second problem is the nation is in trouble. They're dying. They're invaded. There's no abundance. Where is God? So the angel makes matters worse when he turns up. You know, sometimes when angels come, they can really cause problems for you, right? And the angel comes, depending on how you think. This is why we need to shift your thinking. When the angel comes and the angel greets him by his name, Gideon. Problem is, his name means mighty warrior. But he greets him by his name, Gideon, mighty man of valor. That's exactly what his name is. 
And Gideon says, nah. <laughs> you know? That prophecy is wrong. It doesn't work. Do you sense what I'm trying to, t- to say here? Because God has called you so many things and, and He's put some words on your life that are amazing. I was reading a scripture in Romans 8, 11, which says, The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Hey, that's a powerful thing to say. You, you feel like saying to God, Hey, that's too much to say. Are you sure? But you only do that if you look at your life and you realize, ah, it's not, that's not the way it is. Then you say, hey, hi, hi. But that's what he has said. He has said to you, the spirit in you. you see, there's nobody with a greater spirit. And some people have a lesser spirit. People can have different levels of authority. That's different. But there's no one with a greater Holy Spirit. And the other one has a lesser spirit. It's authority that's different. Yeah? yeah? So that same spirit, I was just thinking about it yesterday. I'm going, ooh. Wow. Somebody mentioned it. I was at a leadership meeting in, in this weekend in Wolverhampton. Somebody mentioned it. And I said, like, wow. And I, I just, like, all night, I was just, like, wrestling with the scriptures. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now, how are you going to react? Are you going to react like Gideon and say, Nah, nah, don't you call me that. Because I'm in a hole right now. I'm not different from Gideon. There's nothing to my name. I'm even hiding from my enemies. I can't even face them. Don't you say that. The spirit that raised Jesus in me? Nah, you're joking. I said, I'm where Gideon fell. Gideon was not a bad man. He was not a faithless, uh, weak guy. No, no, no. He knew his stuff. The problem he had was, it's not adding up. What you're saying I've given up on it now. This is not a prophecy over me anymore. Because what's going on? Let's be real. <laughs> you can discuss with an angel, right? Let's be real. Look, I'm in a hole. I'm the last in my family. My family is nothing. Let's be real. You know? You forget he's dealing with an angel, right? This is why the angel dealt with Zachariah, the father of John, very harshly. Because he wanted to be real. <laughs> and the angel says, ah, This is Gabriel he's dealing with. And he says, I stand before God. You will not talk to me like that. Huh? A human being can argue with an angel. You are capable of it. He can argue with God himself. What do you think? If you're arguing with an angel, who are you arguing with? Do angels come to speak because they feel like? Doesn't God send them? 
If you are arguing with a prophetic word that truly came from God, who are you arguing with? The prophet or God? If it truly was God's given prophetic word, it is God you're trying to be real with. So in that hope, Gideon presents his best arguments. (laughs) But I want to show you something. How God wants you to respond. I'm not here to condemn anyone. And I'm going to finish on All these prophetic words that have been spoken over your life. And it's not clicking into gear. God is not asking for too much from you. The angel just said this to Gideon. Listen. Just get out of that hole. <laughs> and go. In this very little strength of yours. Just go. Because the doing is the Lord's. Do you think the people in the upper room were very strong people? They had to be strong. A few days ago, they were hiding because they were being looked for. Huh? Do you, what credit history did you need to have to receive the Holy Spirit in the upper room? I don't know. <laughs> did it even matter? What level of education did you need to have? I don't know. But did it even matter? Gideon is told this very simple word. Go in this strength of yours. <laughs> you know, it's like, a, it's like a father playing a trick on his little child. Like the child can actually pick him up. You know, something picked me up the other day. Two days ago. The first time he's ever picked me up. <laughs> but all the time you play a trick. When a kid says, can I pick you up? And you go. Like, and so think it feels like he's really picking you up. He's really picking you up. Eh? God says to Gideon. Go in this strength of yours. But you know what's going to happen. This is not about your strength. Your strength at its best is still not enough. So if you fast forward to the end of this story, the same little strength defeats an entire army. It's not like Gideon, let's be real, okay? (laughs) Now we're being real. He didn't become strong. He didn't go to the gym after this. And all of a sudden, he had these mighty warrior moves. That's why he won the battle with 300 men. We know that's not what happened. It doesn't, and then Gideon went into training. Are you understanding me? Yeah. The same little strength became many. First, he was shocked that when he began to believe what the angel was saying, The operative word is believe. When he began to believe, he began to do things that he never thought he could do. Number one, he went after the gods of his father with a small g. Those gods, the idols. And he destroyed the altars. And the whole nation of his people rose up against him and said, Gideon has destroyed the altar of our God. We want his life. The father, second shock, the father 
who was a priest to that idol, backed his son. Very strange. This is not the stuff that happened in Israel. This is not the stuff that happened in those days. The father should have brought him out as a priest and killed him himself. But second shock is the father decides, ah, he comes with the word of wisdom. And he says, if Baal is God, let him fight him himself. Would you now fight for this God? And because he's a priest, they listen. So they call Gideon, now he gets a new name, Jerubal. He who contends with Baal and wins. It's a mighty man. I think he begins to believe some more. I've dealt with the Baal and I'm still alive. I'm still here. I'm still here. And when God reaches a point where God says, now blow the trumpet for war. I've paraphrased the story quite a lot because I've got to finish. Gideon gets surprised. 300,000 people come. He was in a, in a hole just a few days ago. Yeah? Hiding. He didn't know he could lead 300,000 people. 300,000 people. Oh, maybe you're not imagining it properly. The entire city of Ho <laughs> is not 300,000 people yet. It's 250-something. So, so can you see? He was in a wine press. It's not a big hole. Yeah? It, it's not, your house is definitely bigger than where Gideon was. He, he was hiding in a hole with prophetic words flying over his head. But he wasn't believing them. But when the angel started speaking and speaking, and those prophetic words started to bring him back. This is the reason when we're doing prophetic seasons like this, we want to speak words. But our prayer is that when we speak over your life, we are not even speaking things that are strange. We are speaking things that God has already spoken to you. That's the, I love that. When I prophesy over somebody and they say, yeah, God spoke to me about this already. It means God is using me to pull them up. Come on. Are you with me? I'm pulling you forward. And then somebody came to me and said, Pastor Phil, I keep hearing this prophetic word. Everywhere I go, people are telling me, I'm like, hey, you, you need to move. You need to respond. When God repeats himself this many times, there is something wrong. You are not believing. So he keeps saying it. So he keeps saying it because he's in your heart. He's your heart. You see, dealing with God is such an awesome thing. Because you're not dealing with a human teacher that will say something and assume you understand. God will say something and see that you don't get it. He will see it hasn't landed. You know? Me, I can guess. You know, I can say, did you understand? Ah, you don't look like you understood. No, God actually sees. So you will go off to somewhere, to Birmingham, and somebody will speak it over your life again. One spirit. You go to Nigeria and somebody speaks it again. And if you keep going like this, he's going to use a donkey or a dog. <laughs> now then you know you are gone. 
your faith is so far away. When God begins to use a donkey <laughs> to speak to you, Balaam, you're gone. Huh? But Gideon began to respond to the prophetic. Are you with me? He began to say, there might be some grace in this. You know, you should read the story. You see the steps he took. I don't have time to go into them. But you see the steps. The angel said, okay, bring an offering. He says, okay, I'm going to bring you an offering. The angel says, okay, bring it, bring it. And then when he brings it, he cooks everything. The angel says, okay, I'm not going to eat it. Put it on that stone. Put it on that rock. He puts it on the rock. And when he puts it on the rock, the angel points. Fire comes out of the rock, consumes the offering. Gideon is like, oh, are you with me? And, And he begins to come out of his hole. He begins to come out of it. Faith begins to rise within. He begins to believe. Ah, it might be true I am Gideon. It might just be true I am a mighty man. And he takes incremental steps. He says to the angel, Okay, okay, if, you, if, you're, really, if you're really from God, and, and forgive me if I'm doing this wrong, I, I'm going to put a fleece on the ground. Please, please, man. Are you with me? And the angel did it. The only reason the angel kept entertaining this was because the angel was like, keep coming, keep coming. So everything he threw before the angel, the angel says, yeah. He woke up the next day, the fleece is wet everywhere, it's dry. He says, no, 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 no. Okay, now I want everywhere wet and the fleece dry. And the angel says, and he keeps getting out of the hole. He begins to believe the prophetic word. And he tells him, okay, now you're going to deal with the, your father's gods. And he does it. And in the middle of the night, he collects a few of his friends. Does it. He survives. His father preserves him. Then he says, blow the trumpet. And then 3,000, 300,000 people come. Gideon now believes he's a mighty man. But you see, it is not about his strength. So God said to him, the people you have are too many. <laughs> It's like God is saying, I did all this to encourage you. But I want you to trust me. To know me. Because if you win with 300,000, you will feel like you have won because you had 300,000. This is what God does to us all the time. So he sends prophetic words, prophetic words, prophetic season. You hear it again. Wow. Your faith gets rekindled. You get comforted. You get edified. You move forward. But he will always bring you to a place where you're going to lose your 300,000. Because all along, it was about him. It is always about him. It is always about him revealing himself to you. I was saying this morning, we were praying together on the phone with a few people. And I was saying to them, look guys. This life we are living on earth, this life, this shot, it's courtship to just know God. This is not where it is at. Only a fool settles in courtship and thinks that's it. Are you with me? This is courtship. There's no marriage here. (laughs) But you get what I mean by that. Don't go home saying to your wife, oh, Pastor Phil said there's no marriage. <laughs> I have no business with that. <laughs> but do you get what I mean? This is courtship. This, this, what is courtship for? For knowing one another. 
Oh God, everything God will do in this life, I guarantee you, everything is so that you may know him. There's no other objective. He wants you to know him. That's all. He just he, whatever angle he comes at, all he wants is for you to know. And that was Gideon's problem. He didn't know him. He said, he even went to an extent of saying, if God is mighty, he didn't know him. So all the prophetic grace will accomplish over your life when you begin to believe the prophecies that are on your life is to bring you into a place of knowing him. And that's not a place of weakness. I really want you to understand that. Because between a Christian who's praying for power, power, move, power, God, I want power, and a Christian who's praying, God, I want to know you, the stronger one is the one saying, God, I want to know you. What did Paul say? That I may know him. You know? Are, are you with me? Yeah. Knowing God is where it's at, people. Because yeah. when you know, you will not think like Gideon was thinking at the beginning. Because you know. When you know, when you know, I pray that this season, as we are praying and prophesying over one another, as you see the prophecies come to pass and you begin to see that this is that, you may begin to know him. Because your life will change. Challenge yourself. The knowledge I have of God, has it grown? Is it just growing? And if it has grown, has it grown just out of studying and reading and, 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 but not really knowing him? Because when the knowledge you have of God must shift to be based on knowing him. Are you with me? It's a massive difference. I had a privilege last weekend of talking to, of meeting and, and, and getting to be acquainted with a, a man called John Glass. John Glass used to be the national leader for Elim uh, Pentecostal churches in this country. And I've read one or two of his books before. And I love his books. But for the first time I had to sit down with him, talk to him, getting to learn from him and getting to ask questions like, so how do you, did you deal with your, your children when, you were growing, when they were growing up? So how did you... Knowing. When you begin to know the person, it lifts you into a different level of grace. How about God? You see, the light I had about John Glass was always in books. But now, I met him. Over two days. Chatted with him. I feel I've known him a bit more. And if I go back to read the same books he wrote, I guarantee you I'll get more out of them. Because I've known him a bit more. There is something about knowing God that will totally get rid of all the wrong thinking. Amen? Amen.
So let me finish by saying this. What hinders people from failing to receive from prophetic grace that is already released over us? God has already spoken so many things over us. I've told you what I mean by prophetic grace. I mean both the words that have come to you as an individual, but even more importantly, the words that are established in the word of God, they are very clear. Jesus prophesied, they that believe, they shall. Do you remember those prophecies? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Those words? Yeah? Those words. Those words. Of who you really are. There's prophetic grace on those words. They are spoken. You are, they, they speak about you. Now what hinders us from attaining to that? What really hinders us from attaining into that is what I'm trying to address when I look at Gideon. It's the way we know God. I don't have time to go into this, but the Apostle Paul calls it strongholds. In the short while, we're going to pray and deal with that. The Apostle Paul calls it strongholds. Stronghold is not talking about sin. A stronghold is talking about a way of thinking that has solidified in your life. The way you think about yourself, like Gideon, he had a stronghold. And the angel pulled him out of it, destroyed it. And he became the man, according to the prophetic grace on his life. The way you think about yourself is the reason that we are hindered. When we say the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The way you think about yourself is what hinders that grace from manifesting. Are you with me? The way you think about God. There's a certain way you think about God. A certain way you see yourself. And that's what blocks. It's like a well that is clogged up. Until we remove the rocks, the strongholds, we can't get to the water. But the water is in all of us. Are you with me? Strongholds. And we need God to, to, to help us bring down, demolish strongholds. And just by new light, The entrance of his word brings light. God release fresh light. A new way of understanding that will make me see you the right way. Hello? This is not quite a sermon. This is me trying to just say things. Are you with me? Light. Just bring me into fresh light. Because all these prophetic words that were spoken about Gideon, about the children of Israel, about were never going to be experienced until Gideon began to see himself the way God saw him and began to see God in the right light. But as long as he was seeing himself as in a hole, 
I'm nothing. We are nothing. Nothing's going to happen. Where is God? He's abandoned us. That's the word he used. The prophetic words were coming to nothing. It's the same thing for us. So I'm going to encourage you. Okay, If God has been speaking about you and releasing prophetic words about your life for, quite, for a season now, and you're not seeing them come to pass, you need to start praying that, God, I want to see me how you see me. This is not about self-esteem. So you, you, I'm not even asking you to go home and start checking. No, but I, I see myself as... I, I don't look at myself as bad. <laughs> You need a revelation of you from God. It's different when God shows you who you are. It's very different. I had an encounter one time and somebody walked up to me. And, 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 and actually it was in my, one of my weakest moments. I'm, I'm really struggling with, with things. And, I'm thinking, and they walked up to me and said, Hey, whoa, I'm seeing, I, I'm looking at you but I'm seeing an ego. And I'm going, what? And I could tell there was something right there. God was doing something for me. And, 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 and when you begin to see yourself the way God sees you, it's very different. Trust me. You don't know you until God tells you who you are. You, you know, and most people live with this and die not knowing who they really are. Because they think they know who they are. They think it lies in self-esteem and confidence. I'm not talking about that. Let God tell you who you are. You'll be shocked. You'll be shocked. When he begins to show you. Maybe not. Just say, show me who I am. Show me. Show me. This time I had this encounter where God was, was, was showing me. And, uh, and I was robed in these awesome clothes. And, 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 and I had this on me and that on me. And the crown on my head. And I'm going, what is this? And, you know, and it was me. I was watching myself. In a vision. And guess what? That's a few years ago. And guess what? I, uh, that Sunday, I, 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 I were, had gone somewhere to pray. And I came to church. Do you, you remember? How many of you remember Z's ma- grandmother? Yeah. You know, those of you that have been here for a while. Z's grandmother. I, I, I turned up in church. Before the service starts, she starts to pray. You know that woman was praying a lot, right? She prays a lot. She starts to pray. And, and, and she comes to me. And she, she puts her hands on me. And she says, my son. I said, yes, ma'am. And she goes, I have to do this. You know, I said, what is it? She says, I, I feel like I'm putting a crown on your head. It's like God, God, I, God has given you something this morning. Oh, then I broke down a little bit. You know, just a little bit. But, <laughs> but somebody else saw it as I walked in. And she starts just to, sh- to pray and shake. And, and then she comes to me and says, God has given you something this morning. And, and I, say, I said, yes. She says, you know what it is. I said, yes. And she says, there's a crown on your head. I said, yes. And she says, I, and she says I'm seeing. Uh, yeah, yeah, we all cried right there. I got Debbie and I know cried a little. But do you understand? When you begin to see who God should show you who you are. Because you don't know. Trust me. When that light, that's the light I'm talking about. Yeah? His greater truth shows you, ah, this is me. God. It's exactly with that sound effect, Valerie. It's light. 
Because you only see yourself according to this ordinary light. Okay? This light, you know? And the light of other people, whatever they've told you. He said, when God, in his light... Do you know when you, when you take something and you put it under a blue light, it changes color, right? Mm. And then you put it under a white light, it changes color, right? Mm. So when we take you and put you under God's light, what's going to happen? Hey! This is all that Gideon needed. He took the 